Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coffee with Jesus. Today I want to speak about a specific issue within leadership, and that is how do we navigate leading leaders? As so often happens, we return to this idea of leadership because, man, leadership just is all the way through Scripture. I'm speaking about what some of the challenges are when it comes to leading men and women who have a level of authority and who even may be trusted leaders on your team, in your community, in your church or business, wherever it is. And I want to leverage two chapters from the book of Numbers where we see Moses deal with some of these issues. And so today, the title for the podcast is simply Leading Leaders. And we hope that today you're going to walk, walk away with a couple of uh, ideas or thoughts on how better to navigate leading leaders. If you're new to our podcast, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. For those of you who tune in each and every week, again, thank you so much for just tuning in and listening. As far as possible, we make this uh, podcast for, for us every Tuesday. We release it every Tuesday. And the point is for us to spend 10, 15 minutes together just asking the question, how can I be more like Jesus? And this can be over a cup of coffee or tea. It can be while you're gymming or dropping your kids off at, work, at school or on your way to work, even just having a walk somewhere. Let's spend 10, 15 minutes together speaking about how we can become more like Jesus. And so if you haven't yet on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please subscribe to this podcast so that you can be notified each time a new episode drops. So as I mentioned, today we're talking about leading leaders. And we're looking at two moments from the leadership of Moses. And there's a lot of scripture, so I'm not going to read all of it, but I would encourage you go through Numbers 12 and 13 in your own time, uh, especially after we've spoken about this, and begin to see it through a leadership uh, lens, but I'm going to paraphrase both chapters. In Numbers 12, we see Aaron and Miriam become a problem for Moses. This is now not just a leadership conflict, this is a relational one as well. Aaron and Miriam are family. They are, they are siblings of Moses. They have led with him and seen what God had done for them. Aaron was the voice of Moses when he was too afraid and insecure to speak to Pharaoh. They were with each other when the sea split. They had seen God do miraculous things throughout the, the wilderness. These should have been Moses' closest advocates and confidants. They should have backed Moses even when no one else did. However, in this short chapter, in chapter 12, what we see is that they had an issue with Moses' marriage. And they challenged his calling as the leader of the people. They got accusational and jealous and started speaking against the two things, Moses' marriage and his role as the leader of the people. And it says, in the midst of all of this, Moses did nothing to oppose them. And this is where we get that line that Moses was the most humble of all people. He, he does nothing. He doesn't oppose them. He doesn't try to contradict them. He doesn't try to defend his marriage or his leadership. And I wonder why. I wonder, because Moses is not the kind of guy to just sit back and take stuff. He, he always kind of either went to God or got frustrated. And, but I wonder if Moses felt so deflated because the ones closest to him were now the ones placing the knife in his back. I wonder if he just reached the end of his leadership and emotional capacity and he just couldn't respond. I wonder if he just run out of that, that, that vuma, that urge. Regardless of why, regardless of why Moses said nothing, what the scripture tells us is that God heard Aaron and Miriam's response and responded by rebuking them. Let me highlight something out of this for all of us. Number one, God is passionate about our marriages. Please don't miss this. God is so passionate about the marriages of his leaders. God steps into a situation where the, the, the marriage of Moses is attacked. 
and he he intervenes. He doesn't he doesn't allow these accusations to fly. He steps in. And I often say this at weddings when I have the honor and privilege of doing a wedding. God is more invested in your marriage than you are. And also God is more invested in your marriage than you realize. God values marriage and it seems he goes to extraordinary lengths to protect it and defend it. Leaders, if you're listening to this and people are questioning your marriage, they're asking all kinds of these questions and accusations, leaders, please don't think your marriage has to suffer because of your calling or position. I want to say that again. Leaders, please don't think your marriage has to suffer because of your calling or position. It has been said that there are only two covenants left to us. The one is the covenant we have with God in salvation, and it is sealed through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. And the second covenant is our marriage covenant, which is equally sealed and sustained through the work of God in our lives on the wedding day. Please don't think your wife or your husband should have to take shots because of your leadership. God loves your spouse and your union. And we need to understand this. God loves your spouse more than you do. And God is invested in your marriage. He was not okay when Moses' marriage suffered. And I don't think he is okay when marriages suffer because of leadership in any way. So what does this have to do with leading leaders? Let me put this as bluntly as I can. Never let the people who you are leading or who are leading with you attack or berate your marriage. Leading leaders means making sure no one gets to take shots at your spouse. God doesn't like it. And I don't think anyone should have to sacrifice the integrity of their marriage, should have to sacrifice their spouse on the altar of leadership. The second thing about this is that God is passionate about his leaders. God does not allow Aaron and Miriam to get away with questioning the calling and anointing on Moses' life. He's passionate about men and women who lead his kingdom. When someone says yes to the call of God on their lives and steps up for the king in a leadership way, God values that and God honors that. This does not mean, please don't mishear me, this does not mean that any leader is perfect. It does not mean that leaders are above correction and discipleship. It does not mean they can get away with everything. What it does mean is be very careful when throwing stones. God is invested in what he is doing in and through them. And if we get secure, insecure or competitive, we can all of a sudden begin engaging with them from a dishonoring standpoint. You could be throwing stones at the very person God is trying to defend. God is passionate about his leaders. And this means that we need to disciple and lead people to a place where they see leadership the same way God does, not the way culture does. Let me, let me unpack this. In today's culture, leadership is greeted with an automatic distrust. If you say to someone you're a leader of an organization or you wanting to go into politics or you lead a church, people have a natural distrust for that desire for leadership because culture, our world has gotten to that place where because they've been so hurt by previous leaders, we naturally distrust leaders. But we need to see leadership through the lens of God's understanding. In God's economy, in God's way, leadership is a, is a conduit for his blessing to get to his people. That's what leaders are. Leaders are conduits of God's blessing. Some people, you know, some people will have a lot of skill but little character, uh, and I get that. I get that people are, are charismatic, and, and sometimes we need to just have checks and balances, but let's not throw stones. So from that first chapter, chapter 12, can I encourage us leaders? Please don't attack other leaders. Please don't attack marriages. Let's just be aware of how passionate God is for these two things. But then let's move to Numbers 13. 
And this is quite a, a famous passage. This is where the 12 spies are sent to the promised land, but 10 of them return and spread a bad report. We know the two uh, that return, Joshua and Caleb, they aren't, they, they aren't part of that. They are, they are all for the, the conquest of the land. But 10 of them return and spread a bad report among the people that results in nations wandering in the wilderness for decades. Now, these were not just any leaders. These were leaders of the different tribes of the people. They were not novices. They were leaders who had been appointed and anointed. We read uh, in chapter 11 of Numbers that Moses anointed them. He put some of his uh, spirit upon them. It says that they began operating in the prophetic, but then profoundly, it says that they didn't always, they actually came to an end of their prophetic. These were men who had some taste of what Moses was carrying, and they still chose to operate in a way that undermined his leadership. Moses called them to go and see what the land was like, not to decide whether they should take the land or not. And yet they come back and try to influence everyone towards their way of seeing things. All of this just brings me to a very important point. Leading means something very important. It is not simply developing skills. It is not teaching processes. These things are important. But what if the lesson here is that leading leaders requires us to spend time depositing our hearts in others. What if discipling and leading leaders is about heart recalibration? You see, what happened in chapter 11 of Numbers is that there was a deposit of heart, but Moses wasn't consistent with it. He didn't do it consistently. Now, this is something we have to approach from both sides. The leaders that had received it should have pressed more in. They should have desired more of Moses' heart. But Moses also should have said, hey, I need to deposit more and more. It's an ongoing thing. Leadership development is not a once-off thing. Leadership development is a consistent thing. So if the first chapter we looked at, chapter 12, teaches us about how God sees uh, the leader's marriage and the leader's calling, what this next chapter should speak to us about is how we can, how can, we can develop leaders by depositing heart, not just skills and processes. Not Yes, they need the skills. Yes, they need to know the processes. But if you want to raise up leaders who are going to carry your vision and carry your values beyond you, they need to know what your heart is. One of the most profound things I remember, I went to a conference once where there was a senior leader who was the guest speaker and the other guest speaker was his 2RC. And one of the things that happened was the 2RC stood up and he was able to tell the story of their church exactly the same way as the senior leader did, word for word. What had happened is that he'd been under the leader for so long that he had captured the heart of the leader. He understood the story behind his leadership journey, and he was able to tell the story in the same way that the senior leader would tell it. Sometimes we can overestimate something as simple as how we tell the story. If you want someone to carry your vision, can they tell your story? If you want someone to lead the way you would lead, can they tell your story? Well, man, I hope this has stirred some questions in your heart and your mind. I hope that you can think through some of these things. Some of these questions are, you know, how have you navigated marriage in your leadership? Can you trust God with your calling? How are we throwing stones at other leaders? But at the end of the day, my question is, how can we deposit our heart in the leaders around us? That's what, it taught, that's what it means for leaders to raise leaders. Man, may this week be a week where you deposit your heart into those who are leading with you. And this is not just a team thing or a corporate thing. This is a, a family thing. Are you depositing your heart in your kids? 
It's not just about teaching rules and regulations, saying no and yes. It's about the deposit of your heart so that your kids carry your spiritual blessing and your spiritual inheritance, not just, you know, not just now, but into the future. And so my prayer for us today is that we would be leaders who are willing to deposit heart. And yes, it's dangerous. Yes, it's scary because what are they going to do with that heart? But ultimately, I believe it is one of the greatest blessings to see other leaders running with the heart that God has called you to. So I hope this has encouraged you. I hope it's given you some stuff to think about. Have a phenomenal week and we will see you same time, same place next week.